sharing gifts now, I guess. By the way, I think we're service. we're 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 live on Spreaker now too. I think if I if I did everything right. Ooh. Yes. Yep, I think we are. Yes. Oh yeah. Ooh. So welcome everybody. It's uh, I think the first time the four of us have ever been on an episode together, except for endless broadcasting at Dynatrace Perform uh, four hundred years ago. Correct. Four hundred years. That seem in right. COVID month or COVID years? COVID years in COVID years. Yes, that's. I think it was already COVID years. Yeah. That's right. We were already experiencing. I still have that little packet of Dynatrace uh, antibacterial gel. That super useful. I, I think we I came back from Las Vegas with uh, with the COVID variant. Yes. From that trip. Yeah. Yeah. The pre-alpha. <laughs> So uh, welcome to the holiday Q&A. We should probably uh, give a shout out to uh, the sponsors, the various many sponsors of Perf Bites before we really dive into anything, right? So you try to remember there's like uh, the, the, I think they're still alive. Tricentis is still alive from, from COVID. Uh, Neotis, of course, now Tricentis, but was Neotis, Henrik, that you guys are, wait a minute, Neotis died from COVID, right? They almost is that morbid? Well, we no. Transition from, from COVID. They transitioned COVID from. 18. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, of course, in Tricentis was the flood IO. I think Evan is still there uh, in the flood.io world. So Tricentis flood, which is fantastic. Um, and uh, Ryan Folk, Folk Consulting, who was with us at Dynatrace and probably also uh, contracted the coronavirus without knowing it at the time. Mm. Um, yeah, Ryan's out there. And, uh, of course, growing like crazy are our new friends at Catchpoint, um, which have acquired in the meantime, right, James? They acquired, was it Webpage Test, I think? I think it's Webpage. correct. Yeah. And they have all these awesome, I saw Tim Cadillac, I think, is there, and a bunch of, uh, Henrik, um, the other Henry Helvetica. Well, yes. Good morning, Dom. Henry's over there. So there's some really interesting things happening in the Catchpoint world. Um, but still to this day, the uh, unofficial sponsor of Perf Bites News of the Damned that has never really reached out to us is GT Metrics. I just want to say a special holiday thanks to the GT Metrics people who I still use on a regular basis. Yes, it makes me sad that uh, um, my emails and phone calls are not returned. Um, it makes me think that, that they're mad at me or for some reason. I don't know. We, we talk about their product quite glowingly. I know. I just don't understand. Yeah. And we and anytime you say their name, GT Metrics, gtmetrics.com, like they get people know to go where you can, they go to a Google search for GT Metrics. There they are at Google Metrics. Um, this is, uh, uh, Henrik, this. You are kicking us off in the uh, amazing world of live streaming video. Where are we live streaming to? Uh, and do we need to go now to the social media networks and start broadcasting things? No, we don't. We have a... First of all, we are... Thanks for real restream. That restream an awesome job for us. So we are able to live restream in several platforms as of now. So if you are on YouTube... And you know that we are streaming on YouTube. If you're on LinkedIn, you know that we are streaming on LinkedIn. And if you're on Facebook, you know that we are streaming as well on Facebook. So this is the magic of internet. We can stream whatever we want. 
So if you have a preferred choice channel, let us know so we can also add that new channel to the uh, screen. Although we do have we do have some options for streaming we've elected not to select. Uh, <laughs> that like, TikTok like thing is not yet uh, ready for yeah. us. Yeah. 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 <laughs> hmm. So I think we we were uh, were supposed to answer a question related to performance. So uh, this is a call before we start answering any of the questions. So if you have any questions that you want to ask during this live stream, don't forget to push it on any platform. So YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever it is, and we will try to answer those questions today during this, including the next hour. And yeah. in the meantime, while we're waiting for questions, I think it's worthwhile to take a look back at some of our Perfy Award winners from previous years, like Princess Kate and, and a few others, and, and talk about what makes uh, a good candidate for a Perfy. Uh, this is someone who has, uh, through action or inaction, caused a whole bunch of performance events to be in the news. Uh, these could be good events, these could be bad events. In the case of Princess Kate, all she needed to do is wear an article of clothing and this crashed the British fashion industry or push a carriage down the street or pop out an heir to the British crown. Something like shoe, shoes or something like that. Shoes, carriages, you know, uh, any, um, a, a, a fancy overcoat, something of that nature. Um, and then we have Princess Meghan who did something similar for a while. And um, I, I wanted to throw it out to all of you. Um, who should get a Perfy this year? Uh, Mark, I think you have some ideas. Uh, of who should get a Perfy maybe for some recent bad events? And, and I have some thoughts as well. I just thought of uh, the perfect candidate, but I will let um, Mark go first and then I will do my uh, proposal. Uh, I, I would, Mr. I would, Tomlinson. what? Mr. Tomlinson. Oh, yours. uh, so I, I really, I, I think, uh, I think Amazon, AWS in particular, EC2, um, and some of the other networking pieces that have been uh, responsible for completely tearing down like an entire continent's worth of internet access on a moment's notice without any real, Oh, it looks like Amazon's down again today. And I wouldn't say this that that's unusual because the whole time that Amazon or any cloud vendor has been operating, they all go down all the time. Things happen, et cetera, et cetera. It's just this year in particular, I saw people who had, like my dentist knows about an Amazon outage, right? Or uh, like a neighbor who does woodworking and doesn't have anything to do with the internet actually mentioned me. Oh, I heard that Amazon was down. I'm like, what? What? Normal people in normal life that I would like, not IT nerds like us uh, are, are, are impacted and actually know Amazon was down. I'm like, that's a whole new level of awareness. Uh, much like, uh, like the Duchess of Cambridge would have taken down uh, through fashion. There are people in the fashion world who, you know, maybe don't really know how the internet works. Uh, or care for that matter, to be honest. So uh, I think there are people who don't care or know anything about the internet uh, to their own 
uh, blissful um, uh, existence who were somehow made aware of the fact that something in their life that they needed to do was unavailable because thank you, Amazon, for an outage. So that's my nomination. And I, I'm not going to you know, talk about Mr. What's-His-Name in the penis-shaped uh, spacecraft. Yeah, that's, you know, it's just, that's just gratuitous. Thank you very well, much. Mark, uh, what, about, what about Facebook and Ooh. the horrible border gateway protocol outage um, that they inflicted upon themselves? I, I, I was going to mention about it, by the way. My opinion, it's a very, very valid point, but I think more often than not, the majority of users that were impacted were Facebook users, and this is something that they really did to themselves in a really and but that, that's a good nomination too because that was a lengthy extended time where like they had basically erased themselves from DNS right the, the <laughs> yeah, yeah I think it, it, yeah it, so it, someone could have uh, purchased Facebook.com for a short period yeah wasn't it like a BG, BGP outage or a BGP misconfiguration or something it was yep they they did it to themselves yeah nice but I think I think it was it, it impacted all the teenagers because uh, Instagram was heavily impacted and uh, I mean if you if you have any teenager at home I guess uh, you, you know what I'm referring to yes uh, it was depression during eight hours a huge depression but it, it, uh, it also impacted a number of organizations that had integrated security with Facebook with Facebook, you know, mm -hmm. Facebook sign-in and and really highlighted a bunch of those dependencies and how fragile uh, our infrastructure can be at times. Very yes, good point. Quite a few use uh, Facebook as a signing uh, option, and I know of some organizations that where I, I cannot even access my emails or do work work, not only teenage stuff. Which I would say, Henrik, I don't know if Instagram still teenage stuff. <laughs> May have been uh, five years ago, but those definitely are not teenagers anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's yes. I mean, Snapchat didn't didn't go down, so I, I think my, my daughter was was at least she was not dep depressed at that time. Yes. <laughs> so, so Leandro, you mentioned that you have a thought uh, for herpes as well. Yeah. Uh, for this year, I'm gonna nominate uh, coming. From a similar universe that we already had uh, someone, or multiple universes in this case, and it was, I think, a big worldwide event. It was uh, very bad uh, web creeping sound effect. But um, our friends, the Spider-Man, because, spoiler alert, we got some Spider-Man trying to get into movie theaters and present from people that were supposed to buy in the pre-sale some of those tickets. And I heard of sites worldwide, not only in Mexico, but um, several countries, continents, universes. Yes. That the sites of the movie theaters were crashing big time because of that simple need for a spike test. Why don't do those type of scenarios? And yeah, uh, this has been a problem for Disney-related franchises since about Rogue One. Uh, That's right. Star Wars franchises and the Marvel franchises. For every new film, they seem to crash Fandango and uh, the the direct ordering from the movie theater websites. This is a predictable event. People know that it's coming. 
So the question is, why don't they fix it? And I think there's a little bit of monopoly provider in play here because you can't go and get the tickets elsewhere. So just have to wait. Is it a marketing trick as well to, to see how popular it is? And, I, I and heard something some, like that. Yeah, put yeah. some uh, free commercials because I, I they have, speak um, about a movie without any... any... I, have, I have heard about that for bands, uh, that there is some suggestion that marketing professionals working with website designers are not interested in providing the perfect website experience because there's some bragging rights that go along with bands and their tours that they're so popular that their site is trashed. So, and so and kind of I think that this, this another ugliness has turned into inside baseball with artists. I think it's uh, something on those lines, and I read um, some places that um, it's also not so accidental or that they just did not want to low test uh, accordingly, but it generates a scarcity sensation. So people, I mean, oh my God, I need to go and buy the Spider-Man films and Thanos doing the same thing a few years ago and one after the other having all these situations that um, could be, I mean, could be the monopoly and could be that um, you get all those expected downtimes. I mean, I don't know, what, was it that bad on the other ones with Rogue One and the, um, I know that Thanos yeah, with uh, yeah. Endgame did a big, uh, wiped half of the servers in uh, uh, online servers from, on the internet. From, uh, from Rogue from Rogue One on, every uh, Star Wars film and every Marvel film uh, would take out servers as soon as tickets were available for sale. So it does beg the question, if it's only happening for Disney films and not excellent films like West Side Story by Steven Spielberg, that in there, um, maybe it is a little bit of marketing item. And, and as such, should we exempt them from a perfect because they're manipulating the system? Mm, if it's on purpose, um, they, they are using the perfect on their advantage, I would say. Under fraudulent pretenses. Mm, yeah, could be. Yeah. Totally marketing strategy. Yeah. It's tough to say. Because I, I, I can't, I can say for the Mexican movie theaters, they were not tested. <laughs> they are not paying that much attention to low testing or anything. If any, I mean, that's another situation. Movie theaters and ticketing sites, I think they were barely surviving this um, past couple of years for obvious reasons. So. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's eating some of the low testing budget. Um, wishful thinking, I mean, most probably. It's just, eh, let's do it later. <laughs> yeah. Similar for the, for the, the, I mean, that comes to the, the, the last uh, nominated. I think the, there's a, there's a, a virus that has, uh, that has uh, produced right. a significant great test for us since... Crashed, crashed a lot of humans. 
Yeah. It's not good. A lot of humans, uh, side effects, crash servers and governments and private enterprises around the world has shifted the focus of corporate enterprise networks um, for their whole VPN infrastructures has shifted how we work. And um, Heinrich, you're right that that uh, nominee is the Wuhan Institute of Virology in Wuhan, China for COVID, Alpha, Beta, Delta, Gamma, we're up to Omicron, right? Right. Where's it? Okay, so, you know, for, for, for a whole bunches of them uh, that continually crash like waves of new users on servers uh, across the internet. So it's, it's, it's I think it's, know, the, that, it's the first time we do uh, a soap test. Uh, usually we do a soap test for maybe 20 hours, 20 hours, 24 hours, 48 hours, maybe maximum. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, the, the performance team of the COVID uh, is quite impressive. They, they, they know how to test uh, a, a big test, I mean, huge duration of tests for sure. Uh, we're, we're going on 600 days um, with that. So. so usually, I don't know about you guys. I, I do a soak test for 12 hours, maybe 24 hours, maybe maybe in a rare case, uh, two days, but not a soak test for like 800 days. Yeah. You know? Like, that's, well, a, that's a long time. I mean, and, and how it may differ from some places that are doing an actual um, continuous... Um, testing or synthetics, which could count a little bit, depending on how you uh, organize them and what platform are you using, you may be able to set it up. And especially with this continuous uh, environment, should be more or less a norm nowadays, uh, now that you're mentioning, leaving some, I mean, not drastical, you don't want to constantly (laughs) duplicate the load on your system just because you want that super long endurance test, but very much should be, uh, I wouldn't say a standard, but common. <laughs> yes. All right. So we'll, we'll ruminate on our nominations. We'll ruminate on nominations. That rolls off the tongue very nicely. That's very nice. <laughs> ruminate on our nominations over... Last uh, 10 minutes of the show, see if we get any more nominees. Yes, or we might have some people chat us, which, yeah, I apologize. The uh, the URL I tweeted out was completely wrong, and uh, that's because the event was wrong. But Henrik's uh, live stream is streaming uh, right now. That's how it's live, because it's a stream. Do you guys, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, also, does it, I'm I'm more of a radio guy. Not this YouTube stuff is still really kind of foreign to me. Um, uh, anyway, yeah. So a Perfy Award for for those aforementioned. Uh, but uh, maybe we can have a little bit of a look back, James. Uh, so I was I know I was under the weather, but you had still pulled off a marathon Black Friday as you do every year. Um, were there any uh, real aha moments this year from the Black Friday Marathon? There were not any really supremely ugly events like we've had in the past. There were spot outages 
um, around the globe, just as you might expect, as uh, as Black Friday has become a global event, what we've seen is that the United States was hit first with this, this broad array of e-commerce outages and the industry here has begun to stabilize. And then what happened is it went to English-speaking countries, it went to UK, it went to South Africa, it went to Australia, and we had a whole range of outages in those areas, and those are now beginning to stabilize, and now it's showing up in other areas of the world. So we have uh, other countries inside of Africa, inside of South America, where you know the technology is maturing, and over the next couple of years, we expect to see that that it's going to follow a similar path of the United States, then English-speaking countries will have more stable influence. Now, what I, what I find interesting is that there are these e-commerce hosting platforms like Shopify and things of that nature. These platforms are starting to get more utilized for small firms. And on days like Black Friday, you have this multi-tenant load across a large number of firms in the e-commerce space, and those are beginning to show a large amount of duress and stress. Um, uh, we have already had symptoms of this with the Kardashians that tend to use these, these pop-up shop style sites uh, like Shopify for hosting, and they will have a spot sale event, and they will crash the site. They will crash their site, and they will slow down others. So there were some advanced warnings for these e-commerce uh, hosting solutions, and they were not addressed. Um, I expect that probably we'll see that again next year to a greater extent, and then in year three we'll, we'll begin to see some improvements. Uh, Multi-tenant is particularly difficult because about the best you can do is you can govern an individual tenant to limit the impact of an, another tenant. But when you all your tenants are e-commerce shops and they're all experiencing the biggest shopping day of the year, how do you apply a governor in that case? Is, is it based upon who's paying you more? Is it based, you know, is, is it algorithmic? Who knows? But it's a very difficult problem to solve. I think it, it would be make sense to separate the workload uh, Avoiding having all the retailer on the same node on the same uh, same data center or same servers or whatever you can name it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, to avoid too much stress on the same cluster or some, somehow. Yeah, so, Kanye West, uh, Kardashian needs his own data center. <laughs> 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 because he is proven to be the lord of website crash. He, he can do it, yeah. no matter where he goes. Uh, uh, basic white Kanye, Kanye West t-shirt spot sale. Oh, yeah. Servers are going down some. Yeah. So there's still, and there's still a lot of out-of-the-box configurations that, uh, that you'll see people adopting things. One of the major things we see now are uh, the GitHub integration. And GitHub, of course, was uh, had an outage recently. Um, but they got uh, acquired by Microsoft, and then they have this sort of uh, algorithm, sort of AI-ish algorithm to go look for, hey, here's code patterns and things that you should inject into your site without thinking about them, without testing them, and 
we'll just send those right along. And then, boom, I wonder if there's something, James, to the idea that even these platforms are trying to optimize their code based on, well, that person over there, they wrote it that way, so let's just, you know, let's just do that. And it works on my machine is the worst, you know, approach to validating that kind of stuff. So I, I, there's some innovations that came this year that I think were people really made a, a, a some pretty serious stink about them. I mean, to some extent, rightfully so. Test your code. Do we need to test? Like, I thought that you don't need it anymore. Yeah. The cloud cures you from that all. <laughs> it's the cloud. You're never again. Yeah, exactly. I, I will say the person who does deserve a herpes is whoever it was in marketing that said the cloud will never go down and the cloud will scale infinitely. That person has guaranteed the four of us and all the listeners to this, this broadcast employment for life. Continuously. To address, to address that myth that the cloud scales infinitely and to address the myth that the cloud never goes down. And, and sure, we're picking on Amazon. Uh, in this case, for three outages very tightly grouped uh, in the last six weeks. But other cloud providers have had similar uh, issues, not as widely covered as Mark noted. Uh, you know, a portion of their infrastructure goes down, server goes down. Um, but Amazon, by virtue of being utilized by so many companies for core infrastructure, and in including very large companies, that impact was felt uh, across a very wide swath of the internet. Awesome. All righty. Should we uh, start maybe uh, touching to uh, performance uh, questions, or do we have a do we have any other purpose to to address? I think there's going to be more uh, coming. I, I hope there's some more. Coming. So what do we have for question? What do we have for questions, Eric? I think we, we could uh, start. There was a, a question last uh, last week uh, related to uh, what would be the best uh, tool or or approach to test uh, cloud native technologies. Uh, maybe people are uh, are because the notion of the cloud, people think that testing is obviously different. And so I think we need to reinsure them about what would be the, the recommended approach, the steps that need to be covered um, to uh, yeah to deliver smoothly and without any stress your test in time uh, and bring value to the project first. So, Leandro, James, Mark, do you have any suggestions, recommendations to start on that topic? Well. Um, if I may, mm, I, I think we already started to scratch that uh, point where this misconception of uh, the cloud scales infinitely and um, of course not, and that we need to take into account some of this, um, how to say, mixing up with what we were mentioning about the out-of-the-box settings, where if you let many of those settings run wild, even if you are diligent and you try to do some load testing and you try to push uh, your site and um, your cloud infrastructure a little bit 
you'll see it, uh, it start to starts to uh, some degradation, some degradation, poop is okay. Degradation, degradation, poop is okay. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, some of those situations where you start to see, like, hey, everything passes uh, flawlessly. We have the most uh, awesome system in the world, and uh, we could not bring it down. Which is, and, is... and then you get your cloud bill. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, you were plugging <laughs> all those um, devices uh three fridges and everything on your uh, electricity and then the power bill will come and um then you will uh, be a little bit afraid so it's and, it, and it's something that you should not only from the monetary perspective um pay attention to which is very important which is much what drives uh, most of what we will be doing but it's uh it wastes resources. In, it may even affect if you leave some of those settings out of the box, um, in, in unexpectedly. It can even like backfire to you, or you may end up having too many, I don't know, containers or the elasticity um, to, to expand it, to say it in a way. So, I don't know. I, I, I can ramble around that. Uh, who else wants to ramble now on that? No, I, I think one of the uh, one of the things we had talked about before was elasticity, and I think the tip we have for somebody that's like, "Hey, I'm going to run load tests in the cloud." To your point, was uh, you want to maybe set a maximum number of instances, let's say in a Kubernetes or within the actual Elastic uh, uh, conversion, the the thresholds that you would set for CPU or, or memory, or even number of requests, if you get a, a, an increase in the number of requests, you can actually spawn other pieces, uh, or a custom setting that you have, uh, something you desire. For load testing, sort of look at what production might be, set a high watermark, because if you do a stress test that's going up and up and up, you'll find that it eventually, like it never really runs out, it gets faster, and then all of a sudden it kind of goes up, and then it gets faster, because you keep adding more nodes to the cluster, resources. it's not on, on, good. on that line as well. I would say not only the settings out of the box for a test. Maybe you just have a test environment in the cloud that you will be spanking a little bit to see if it can take uh, all the utilization that you are going to send to it. But it depends as well. What is the type of load test that you are doing? As uh, we were mentioning earlier, if it's a spike test where you are expecting to have. Uh, an obscene amount of connections uh, getting into the your servers, probably you want to leave that on and check that, okay, you can reach up to billions and billions of uh, users trying to buy uh, Spider Multiverse uh, tickets. Yeah. And some others, you may just want to limit it. Hey, I'm just doing a, it's a, just a repetition of a Lotus we did last sprint. So we just need to check that there's no much deviation Freeze that or limit that elasticity yeah. up to this point and test over that, depending on the situation. Yeah, yeah. Here's my actually, Leandro, you made me think of something really good there, which is it, the scenario with which how long does it take to spawn a new instance, add it into the load balancer, and start processing requests? You might, the test, you, if you are going to go to some unknown number of, you know, a million hits per second, uh, tickets um, for Spider-Man, whatever it is, we're going to sell tickets in a lottery to get on a penis-shaped uh, spaceship to go to outer space. 
you never know what the what it's going to be. Um, but there's an interesting spike shaped test uh, that you might imagine. Anyway, the uh, the uh, that scenario could just be to measure how long it takes to spawn a new instance and start processing requests with the new instance. And then maybe you do that, you keep pushing it so you spawn it maybe three or four new instances within the cluster. But you don't need to test it all the way to a thousand instances. Like that could be a lot of money just for a test. When a good test is just projecting, here's our average time to spawn and time to uh, maybe uh, collapse or uh, uh, condense or compress uh, the reverse of elasticity, right? So I don't think you have to go to all thousand nodes unless you really want to, right? I, I would I would uh, start with uh, defining the limits of one single instance yeah. before adding any elasticity. Because elasticity will just bring more complexity to your test itself. Yeah. So I think keep in mind that one test has one objective. You don't combine dozens of objectives in one test because otherwise uh, you will probably have a lot of trouble to uh, analyze it and get the right conclusion to all of your questions of your all your objectives. Yeah. So I think start with a single instance, try to tune it if required, uh, and try to find how many, uh, what is the maximum throughput that you can handle on one instance or how many, what are the number of concurrent users. Yeah. And then from the moment you know the behavior of your one instance uh, application, then you start to add elasticity and you will not add thousands of nodes, maybe one or two, but you want to, like Mark mentioned, you want to tune how the uh, the extra nodes will be added to your your, your infrastructure yeah. during the load and make sure that you, it's it's arriving in the time because it's, it's nice to have elasticity but if it take if it takes in real condition five to ten minutes usually when you have huge spikes uh yeah it, it could be a real nightmare to wait ten minutes for yeah for sure and people do people do things when they spawn a new node there's like pre-fetching catching up the there's pre pre green i'll say you know the pre-fetch or or pre-setup pre-spawn that takes time and in the time it takes to spawn the new instance the additional instance your your load may overload the existing running instance. And in a worst case, what I've seen is that you have other thresholds, especially within uh, like a Kubernetes cluster, where you trip an erroneous number. So you get n number of errors. And then that original instance, because of the load, triggers itself to shut down, remove itself from the load. So you end up with this gap between the existing running instance going into an error state and the new instance being able to take new ones, then guess what happens? You've still got 150% of that load hitting this fresh new instance, and then it starts going into an erroneous state before it can spawn a third instance. So that gap can actually be catastrophic elasticity in the cloud, which, is, which to Henrik, to your point, I agree, is a very complex thing to test for and most people that I see running Kubernetes don't think about that. They're like, oh, I'm just going to get my app to run in the containers of the thing. And then they start spawning. It's like, oh, wait a minute. There's some heavy preloading, pre-caching, spin-up work uh, that takes too long. And you end up in this weird sort of erroneous state where it's not elastic it's, at all. 
that, that is almost a, a set of uh, new metrics and um, result sets that we want to analyze in these cloud environments that yeah. we didn't use to pay attention to, like, as you will very well say, that we used to think on response times all the time that it goes to the uh, uh, client and the front end and back, uh, no, vice versa, <laughs> from front end server and back to the client. But nowadays that response time also includes the new instance response time. How long does it take to come back and how do they behave is uh, a little bit back to that queuing uh, theory where yep. you have multiple processes that seriously, what happens when you put every freaking body in the queue at the very same time when you need to spin up a new container and as you say, one dies and then you have a super spike on the next one and then could be that it decides like, oh, uh, I have no containers, I have no elasticity, no space, let's bring up 10 at once. And then you get lots of um, roller coaster uh, yeah. situation that most probably you want to avoid being in. Uh, but you know, there, there so are- Henrik, I'd, I'd like, to, I'd like yeah. to go back to your single user or single instance item. We, we see a lot in the cloud of people turning on auto-scaling as a way to cover up an efficiency in code. I right. don't have to tune, the cloud will take care of this for me. We'll take care of that, but there's a very high cost associated with that. And uh, woe be to the developer whose auto-scaling costs exceed their annual compensation, which can and does happen. Uh, when you hit auto scaling a lot, so it's it's to their benefit to maximally tune each individual, individual architectural, architectural node. node. And in fact, if they can they get it to run on smaller hardware and not hit auto scaling as often, the cloud bill goes down tremendously. Um, or get the ability, if it's a microservice, to scale on uh, basically the free tier of nodes across all of a cloud provider then you know your auto scaling is not as as terrible when it's done horizontally in, in such a case to to add to the, the the scaling approach i think the sometimes you can tune and configure uh, find the right the best settings that you can never come up to and but you never been protected to huge spikes i mean sometimes we know that it takes times to get extra instances. So why don't you plan? You, you know that at 6 p.m., between 6 and 8 p.m., you have 10 times your, your normal traffic. So in that case, uh, this is what Netflix is doing. They're provisioning a lot of servers during their spike hours uh, just to handle those spikes because otherwise... Uh, if you just survive with uh, auto scaling, sometimes you don't survive. You, you, you. I don't know. You, you suffer. <laughs> I would say. Or, or pre-provision before a spot sale uh, goes out over Twitter and email and Facebook. It's it's very similar. If um, you have any perspective or clairvoyance, most of the time we do, as you say, James, uh, you're gonna do a post for a new product and. Uh, presented into the world or 
Henrik, as you were saying with Netflix, that, yeah, we're releasing a new series, a new movie, uh, something that is going to uh, uh, catch lots of attention or unexpected second season, I don't know. Uh, something like Game of Thrones when they were releasing the new seasons. Plan accordingly. Do scenarios that go um, over those expected uh, situations that you will have, and 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 as well align it because uh, it's huge what you you guys uh, said, uh, Henrik and James, on first of the very first 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 single user single instance is is like this. It doesn't matter if you're on the cloud. Everyone should be doing this, like checking for performance, good performance at a unit level, at um, service level, then uh, single user, some flow, some little things where, uh, again, it's something that also applies in the cloud, but I am sick of still nowadays getting that, uh, hey, you need to performance test this. Okay, sure. Um uh, already automating something and hey, this performance sucks. Why no one noticed? Uh, have you even tested? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, functional UAT exploratory. Everyone went through the software and why no one catch this? It's taking like 10 seconds or things like that. And, and no, nobody, like, uh, nobody bothered to ask the question, even during functional testing. Exactly. No one said, is this fast enough? Is that acceptable? Um, is that okay? As as uh, yeah. even on uh, UAT uh, tiers, where okay, you are the user. Why didn't you complain at that point of uh, some of these situations? And and then kind of scale your test. Uh, start to do a average low test in a single node. Remove all elasticity. Just like make sure that things work well. Uh, because and that's another one. Uh, being the cloud or being on prem. Uh, most organizations that I have worked with, they want to go straight straight away to uh, capacity test. Let's slam it and see where it starts bleeding. Don't you want to check the other non-bleeding things before? I'm sure that uh, there are other things that uh, we should be checking, right? That that progression is very, very important to keep it in the cloud as well. Um start doing the crazy experiments that we're saying to test for the response time of the nodes and how fast can they spawn and how fast are they destroyed only after you have done all those um, sanity and I don't know, common sense tests but, but, it, but it brings to one thing is we need to know and you need to know your environment pretty well and you need to also uh, predict so you need to know the actual traffic that you have in average in production or in other environments so that's why you observability is will be clearly super important to add there as well uh, without observability you're not able to test without observability you're not able to validate your releases you're not able to deploy you're not able to uh, so that's I would say it's the the first brick that you put on the wall of performance is having something that make you understand what is happening and adjust ba based on what you see. Um, it seems like we have another question. Yeah, we have a question. So I'm just uh, uh, displaying the question right now. So the question is, 
So uh, thanks, Mark, for for resharing it. Yeah. What are the new tools you guys are using in 2021? It's so we should, about or I think we should check out in 2022, right? Yeah. Hmm. So, think? Uh, so who so wants to start? I, I I would like to give it a a, a shot because um, it feels to me like this is the um, uh, uh, ever uh, always a returning question of uh, what's the tool, what's what's uh, um, the answer for everything, the universe, and blah blah blah. We know it's 42, but um, it's, it's, and, and I'm going to give a cheap, straight answer, all of them, most of them, whatever suits you and whatever you should use, uh, different ones, because, uh, I could mention, yeah, I've started to play with these, that, and those, but uh, they are good for some situations, some, um, areas, some type of solutions, I wouldn't suggest to use a, a web test or browser-based uh, tool. And and also, what are you trying to do? Load testing, performance testing? Uh, are you just trying to check what is the performance? Go for some observability tools. Don't focus so much on automation. So that's a wide question. What, what new tools uh, are we adding, right? I think... Henrik, we are adding lots of observability. I would start with that. Uh, uh, I, I would go ahead. Go ahead, Henrik. Uh, so uh, I would, um, I would think, I would say that, uh, for, like you mentioned, um, Leandro, tool. There is no magical tools that will do everything for you. So you need to understand what what you what what your expect and what you need, and then you will find the right tool for your your objectives. But now the, the the last few months, I've been trying to implement some uh, some tests spe- specifically for for Kubernetes uh, because in Kubernetes there is a lot of yeah events that could be dramatic, I would say, or or tragic, or yeah, you don't want to be in dark traumatizing. <laughs> so I think the uh, what I I start and enjoying myself is of course using load tests so you can choose your preferred choice load testing product so there is plenty of them out there um but i I will obviously combine with chaos engineering uh so you can do some um, amazing experiments and find out figure out if what you have configured what you have defined in your settings is giving you uh, is saving your life, or, or in the opposite, you are completely uh, sweating uh, because you know that you're going to have out of ditch in production. So I think, again, it depends on what you have to test, what are your objectives. But from my perspective, for, at the moment, from what I need to do, I combine chaos engineering uh, with load testing because you can do a lot of SRE stuff with it, and it's it's very helpful for that for sure. And I would even uh, uh, argue a little bit around about, about chaos engineering. It's awesome. It's very useful to apply it, but you don't need it everywhere and uh, always. There are also some situations where it's like, okay, I have a small server, a small solution, just a microservice. Uh, probably your 
approach to chaos engineering will be tiny or use that effort on some other areas. Um, but as a practice, yes, it should be taken into account more widely than uh, it has been so far, especially for the uh, site reliability uh, engineering. That's a mouthful, site reliability. Um, that we need to start to take into account because it's where those uh, lines cross in between uh, reliability and performance where, yeah, if it's down, it's not performing, period. What I find is um, as performance is being embraced earlier and earlier in the life cycle in agile and DevOps environments, it's not so much new tools, it's using existing tools in a different fashion. So looking at the classical RUM and uh, log processing tools, instead of beginning to look at those late in the life cycle, just before deployment or associated with performance testing, I will look at deploying those across the entirety of the production life cycle, including development. So I can begin collecting log data passively. I can begin collecting RUM data passively. And I can begin finding performance issues earlier in the life cycle. I can find those outliers from a resource perspective with profiling. And why is that important? The earlier you can find a performance issue, the cheaper it is to fix because there's less technical debt to unwind. Uh, this also speaks to the value proposition for your performance group. The earlier you can begin contributing back, uh, the more valuable your organization will view your uh, contributions and your efforts as well. Cheaper and faster. Don't, don't forget the, the earlier. Everybody, the... Likes che everybody likes cheaper, faster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I will... Uh, uh... I'll give a response just to say, first of all, our friend, uh, mutual friend Joe Colantonio over at the Test Guild and the Perf Guild actually had a great post uh, earlier this year, which is like the top load tools of 2021. Leander, to your point, a lot of the ones that we have traditionally seen, K6, J-Meter, Gatling, Artillery, uh, Taurus is on there, and he has a, a couple other ones, like Locust is a new one for me still. I still love it. Um but there are always every year, um, oh, by the way, if you're not following the Perf Guild with Joe, it's really fantastic. Uh, Leandro's been over, we've all been over there doing different things over the years. Um, but it's another great resource in the performance world to pick up things like his blog entries on that, which are great. Um, but it is, you know, there's basic open source load tools and commercial load tools. K6 is a marvelous uh, load tool kind of in between those two. Um, Henrik, we, we've all sort of worked for these different tool manufacturers, um, and they, they get you so far in terms of technology, and then you really have to put in the brains to, to kind of figure out how to actually pull off larger load tester performance analysis. Um, the, I'm going to throw out two or three tools that are new to me in 2021 that still got my interest. And one, the first one is called, uh, is WG, WRK, which is like a very, very lightweight little web load testing tool. And it's so wonderfully lightweight compared to a full on J meter or, uh, some of the larger tools that, that we see that are super comprehensive. Um, it fits in a pipeline really well for like unit level performance testing. 
Um, Locust is my other tool for that, but I don't work in a shop, a Python shop. So a lot of the developers or testers don't know Python uh, as much in the Locust world. But the WRK is an interesting little framework uh, to do like HTTP type benchmarking. It's a little lower level, um, but you can do some cool stuff with it. Um, so that's one to check out. The other one is a major commercial tool called Honeycomb um, in the observability world, which is a, it, it's a newcomer in the space where uh, Henrik's working for Dynatrace. Like Dynatrace, we all know, has been growing up through digital experience management and then observability and open telemetry are being fully integrated into the product. Um, but that's another tool. I played around with Datadog uh, this year. It's pretty interesting. I mean, it's also sort of grown some legs. Um, I have New Relic as well. There's, again, whatever tool you grab onto, if they're still investing in the product, you know, you can you can find good stuff. But Honeycomb is interesting as a framework. And, and something, about, um, something about Honeycomb, it also uses the Boomerang uh, RUM agent which is used by Akamai Impulse. Yeah. Uh, so really, there's some cool stuff. There's some ex-Facebook ex folks, I think, that went and started Honeycomb. So that's one to at least check out if you're brand new into that uh, world. Obviously, you know, Catchpoint would be great. Go check that out. Dynatrace would be great. Check that out. Um, uh, the last one was, oh, no, I can't think of it. It'll come back to me. Um, but it was a like a, a new... Um, uh, there's a, well, there is a new version of dot trace, which is the JetBrains version of the, uh, .NET profiling, um, which gets so close to being a Dynatrace peer path. It's not funny. Like <laughs> if you, if you, if you just want a peer path, you could get boy, Henrik, I tell you, you could get really close to it. If you just go with the JetBrains dot trace, of course it doesn't do anything else. It just does that, but uh, it's a it's a bet that's been a pretty good profiling tool from a .NET world. Um, on, uh, on, on, on that line, Mark, uh, I may jump and comment on something that you mentioned that I think it's really really important for everyone um, who is looking for a tool. Um, the language, uh, the the development language, how the scripts and the automations are being created. It's um, super important that shares whatever your team, as you say, uh, be local, having a Python uh, on Locust and no, 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 no one in my team uh, does anything with uh, Python. Don't, don't push it into uh, your team, especially because if you are paying some attention to the automation pyramid and doing the right automations in the right places, you may want to pass some of that to your developers. If your developers are working on Java, you may want to look for an automation tool that on one point, depending on what level, uh, do you want to give it a try uh, in, in, in the tier of the solution? And on what point is it just a continuous uh, automation? As you were mentioning, I've seen Datadog has some cool uh, synthetics where it's just a service, just call it here and there. It keeps up an eye with the performance. Oh, we just need to do a tiny Lotus integrated in the um, pipeline. Okay, your developers use Java, give them some JavaScript with K6, or if they are Pythonistas, uh, give them some Locus. So the, the new tools that you can use here with those solutions and paying attention, I think 
one thing that I would say I started to use a lot more than in 2020 were those continuous integrations, the tools that uh, were giving us those capabilities and figuring out the ways with uh, some other tools, like how to integrate big things like NeoLoad into a Jenkins pipeline or integrate uh, even our old friend LoadRunner. I-, I had some peculiar experiences <laughs> there. It's uh, um, This 2021 was a year of lots of experiments rather than with specific tools, but how to integrating them all together, interconnecting and making them a huge um, swinger party in between all those tools to see how can we make them interact with the, each other. Um, yeah. But I think what, what, from a few years back when we were talking about tools that were designed for developers, uh, especially load testing tools. At the moment, first people were thinking, hey, JMeter is a developer tool. But for me, it's it's because it's using an HP proxy. It's not a developer tool. It's it's, it's very it's, visual. Yeah, it is very visual. And so I think the one that was doing a good job uh, was Gatling. And now after that, uh, like Mark mentioned, uh, all those tools, the low-cost uh, uh, K6 and, and many others came up on the market. And now I think, I, I have no idea. It's my feeling, again, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel that the, the footprint of a Gatling has been sort of, a, is less important than it was a few years back because of all those new dev tools, or dev testing tools, I would say, uh, that are taking more and more, uh, yeah, um, becoming more and more important and more and more popular. Uh, so that's, I think, the, the biggest change on the last uh, two, three years. Uh, we we don't rely anymore on, on one or two open source framework anymore. We have so much variety and so much options. So that that's that's a great news for 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 us for the for the market. But we're putting these tools into the hands of people who really lack the training on how to do really really robust performance tests. And this is a, a trend that continues uh, across our industry. Um, I just spoke with a couple of people last week who had been socially promoted um, from automation testers to a performance role. Uh, this is really no different than promoting a developer to a performance role. Uh, there are some shared skills in the development of tests, but there's a whole lot of skills which are unique to the developer and which are unique to the performance tester. And by continuously asking them to take on different roles, where we're going to A, impact their productivity as a developer, for one, and B, get some really crappy performance tests. And, and uh, that just continues to impact our value uh, to the industry. And, I think, and, and I gotta uh, say, we've been our own kind of worst enemies here because we've tolerated a lot of uh, bad actors uh, delivering services under the guise of performance testers. I think, James, you're getting into, actually, uh, our friend Raul Sergio is asking, uh, what are the technologies for that a performance engineer should study and get certified around them, which um, goes into what you're saying. People getting from other areas or interested on becoming a performance tester or polishing their skills if they are already or somehow they got the title, as you say, some people. Um, 
I count myself in those situations where, oops, you're a performer. Am I what? What, what I should do? What? what? <laughs> yeah. And it's it's all a journey. And what what would you recommend to that people that is thrown at that situation and that has to learn new skills? What would be? There are some foundation class skills. Certainly, you need to be able to develop in whatever the language is of the tool. That's a mechanical skill. But there are other skills related to test design, communications, um, architecture that just need to be in place before you even begin constructing a test. We see these anti-patterns over and over again where someone says, build a performance test. And there are no requirements. And all of a sudden, the performance test team is really busy building something. And it came from somewhere. Nobody knows quite where. But it's a test. Well, what is a test? What is the requirement that it tests against? Um, don't make a really bad tester a performance tester, or you're going to get a lot of really bad stuff fast. And, you know, it's one of those foundation skills. Um, or very slow on performing <laughs> or, or, or very, or you're very underperforming, but you're not, we see a lot of tools that are targeted just at response time metrics that offer no opportunity to collect what drives performance, which is the, the backend, how resources are used. Uh, they're not really part of a full solution. And in fact, we've seen a lot of, of testers who have not had the benefit of training that's all they know is to deliver response times. That, that, that is the end result. That's actually the beginning of the process. You're generating data. A performance test collects response times and it collects measurements of resources. If you don't have both of those in your test, and by the way, resources requires a knowledge of architecture to know what to collect and where to collect it. And then you have to marry these data sets together and provide analysis analysis is where you provide value. If you cannot diagnose a performance issue without a tool today, that is without a performance testing tool, you're not going to be able to diagnose a performance issue with a performance testing tool. Ally yourself with your operational staff and help to understand, um, understand how they diagnose issues within your architecture, where they look, how they ask the questions and find a way to automate that as part of your performance testing efforts. So you're collecting the same pieces of data and you can use their same analytical methods. To the questions of what should a performance engineer study? Anytime you, you study profiling and tools related to that, you're going to become a better performance engineer. The classical profilers are database profilers, code profilers, and then you get into you know, a class of super profilers, which are these items which fit inside of the Java or .NET virtual machine um, tools from Dynatrace and, and others. These are all excellent tools to take a look at. Uh, the how you work translates very well across this entire class of tools because you are looking at where you are spending time in a profiler and time is dictated by how you are using resources, which then gets to root cause. Um, on the issue of, of certifications, I'm 
I'm not a real big fan of certifications in this space. You can get a you can get a tool vendor certification that gives you uh, you know a stamp of minimal level of competence in using the tool. Hopefully, a lot of these a lot of these um, credentials are somewhat compromised because the questions are out there, uh, so they can be a little dubious at times. Um, I use a certification as an opportunity to dig really, 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 really deep on interviews. So um, you, you may get exactly the opposite of what you intended if um, you were hoping that that would get you a check mark to get you faster to the system. Uh, I'll, I'll shut up now and yield the floor to somebody else. I, uh, so I would be, Mark, I'm just going to make a small note here. I think it, it, you need to uh, first figure out in which environment you're going to involve. Uh, if you're going to basically uh, test and deliver things in Kubernetes environment, I think the first step is, yeah, get yourself comfortable in Kubernetes. Understand it. Um, be independent on Kubernetes. Don't rely on anyone because otherwise, uh, even on your test, when you, you will have to design, you need to understand how Kubernetes works behind the scenes so then you will have the right tests aligned to validate some aspect of that. Um, and also, we mentioned it before, I think now with uh, all this uh, open observability movement, there are a lot of great solution out there that allows you to extend uh, the the observability that you you need uh, to when you deliver your test, so of course you want to collect metrics, and we've been used to do that. Uh, of course, you want to have traces. There's a lot of systems that will collect traces, but remember, sometimes, uh, for example, uh, sometimes if you monitor some systems, you will get some indicators, but those indicators doesn't have enough dimensions. By dimensions. It, when you have a metric, you can have dimensions and you can split and you can understand if you have a lot of fiber, five, uh, error, F, HTTP 5.0x uh, five errors, if you have the dimensions and you can figure out which service is not responding or which service have that problem. So uh, sometimes with if you just monitor, for example, in GNX, the default monitor, that won't give you that dimensions. So why don't you utilize logs? Because the logs has all the data that you need and you could then have the right dimension that you're looking for. So um, tr try to be smart. Look at what you have in which environment you're, you're, in, you're working in and then you can find the right technology that will just help you on your day-to-day -day job and make your test better, uh, smarter, and faster, and, and I think that's that's important. So I, I won't like like James mentioned. I'm not a big fan of certifications. You could be uh, you could be a, a huge expert without certifications. Certification for me, it's just a piece of paper. Uh, maybe you need it if you want to search for a job, but it won't make you a better person having that paper. Uh, I think you need to trust your uh, technical skills. And make and be confident when you deliver. So, and for that, you need to understand which in which environment you're you'll be working in. So then you can adjust your skills based on that. On 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 that line, I would like to um, add a little bit from what James and Hendrik were explaining. I think on one hand, it depends a lot on where what area of performance testing and testing in general are you going to be developing on, because uh, Many of us, 
at least I, I started as a scripter and was the only thing that I was doing in the realm of performance testing, uh, script, script, script. And just in that little area, that's a huge world where you can specialize and become a very good tester. And, and if that is the role that you're looking for or what you are going to be doing in performance, you should get deep into the tool that you are requested for the job that you're going to be doing and understand the practices. Uh, I mean, even for just a scripting, there are best practices, there are big no-nos that uh, you should not be doing. And in in general as well, if uh, you are in charge of diagnosing uh, defects or bottlenecks or things, you may want to get uh, deep into observability. You may want to understand some APMs, monitoring tools, uh, analyze logs. Or if you are in charge of a um, performance and load testing team, you may want to get also into management tasks and understand, get uh, very good at what is Agile, what is this Scrum thing, why am I getting into these uh, meetings, what is the goal for all of that? So it, it like in the kitchen, there are so many specialties. You can become a dessert specialist. You can be a very good smoker, like some of the people in this uh, call, that you can smoke big pieces of beef, or you can just bakery. Depending on what is your specialty, performance testing gives you a huge set of possible skills. Uh, poor... Um, of uh, the one of us that at times you are the performance guy. You have to more or less no one understand everything. And as I think most of um, the people here on the uh, stream may share, like, yeah, you're thrown there and you're the performance uh, person. And you may have to pick up a little bit of all of these skills. It's uh, very, very important that you identify what is needed because it can go even to the point of, it's just communication. You need to be able to translate findings that are very technical in jargon and weird words that if you pronounce them to a CA level person in your organization, you'll get them to sleep right away. So it's it, 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 it's a set of skills depending on what is the situation that you're thrown at in the performance realm. And now on the certification side, I do share the feeling with... Uh, uh, what uh, James and Henrik have mentioned. I don't love them to be nice, uh, but I see the value on some of them. I understand that if for a job or if your organization is asking to keep a job or to apply for a job to have X or Y certification, definitely go for it, attack it. And But, but I think it's more on the requests that you should worry about them. But on the other side, I think it's huge what you will learn and how good you will get if you start to study for any certification, even if the ones that are low level, when you start to look at some of those, okay, I need to learn what is this stress test, and you start studying for them, you will get something um, out of it. You'll, you'll learn, you'll grow. And some of these uh, areas, uh, Henrik, I'm going to give a... Uh, a, a free ad here, but I like the ones that, as an example, Dynatrace has on the platform that you can go and start learning and prepare for some of those certifications, but just get your free trial, start learning about those things. Most of the tools, software, and practices give you some of this free material that you can start 
working and learning, preparing for a certification. Again, if you're a scripter, cert get certified in the tool, find a way, probably maybe good. But in the end, what is important is that you get the knowledge for what is the thing that you will have to do in the end. Sorry, I went super lengthy, but um, it's it's a tough topic. <laughs> Mark, you wanted to say something before I jump. Yes, in. I, I want to shamelessly promote myself. Uh, is that a, is that allowed in the perfect? I think course. that's allowed, right? <laughs> Can I? No, are you saying that you have a you, you have a, a Mark certification program? Yes, you can become a certified performacologist uh, in the new year, following the performacology posting videos, uh, there's not actually a cert act. You can't become certified. There is no such thing as a performacologist unless you're me. Um, but we, uh, that's one thing is we have a whole bunch of new videos that will be intermediate, uh, you know, beginner, intermediate and advanced levels of performance generally. So we'll talk about the core things that James talked about, CPU, disk memory network, and how those things work architecturally across an architecture. Uh, basically follow the OSI stack and basically learn how performance works between stacks, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, that's, a, that's a key part of it. Uh, I think that's an important thing to understand that these systems are big and you can find very, very small performance issues in small systems, but then imagine, you know, 100 million of them running at the same time. So tune into Performacology as we get that rolling in the new year. Uh, I have some videos already put together, which are kind of the intro videos. We're still learning uh, a bit of it myself. Um, the other thing is there are classes and trainings out there that you'll find through the online world. I've done some with Test Bash. We've done them with uh, SDPCon over the years, the Perf Guild. Um, so you can kind of put together a master course for 2022 and start researching when courses are being offered uh, by, by either us as instructors, uh, free webinars sometimes with different, uh, you know, Leandro is going to be doing some amazing work with K6 and Grafana stuff in the new year. So that's pretty exciting. So you'd be able to follow Leandro, um, following the, is it observable channel is great, but I'm also doing a, uh, sort of high level intro to load test, uh, load and performance and stress testing and, uh, through our friends at Coveros. Uh, so I, they used to be, they, they picked up from the sticky minds world or the tech well world, uh, the training part of that in the virtual thing. So that's coming, I think, January, February, if you want to join me for sort of an overview course uh, for load and performance, then go in deeper in a specific technology, I think is great. So there's, there's new stuff happening in 2022 to just keep, you know, what did you learn? Keep notes, keep your own journal of I've done, you know, I feel pretty good about network, feel pretty good about, you know, CPU and kind of how code runs, but I don't really understand IO storage or I don't really understand sort of memory issues, memory leaks, memory buffers, handles. Maybe there's something in a specific app stack, java.net, uh, node, Python, you name it. Um, so yeah, I think there's ways for you to sort of journal as you learn your architecture, hey, this is something I'd like to learn more about. I can't get certified in it unless you really fall in love with Oracle. And then you want to become a certified Oracle person and you can go to the training and you can just eat 
and drink and sleep Oracle performance all day long forever. But I don't recommend that, to be honest with you. Uh, but you can buy, uh, like, I've got four books. Like, they're all like this thick, just on Oracle performance, query tuning, storage engine, database query optimization stuff. Because I was working at a shop that was seriously dependent on Oracle for performance. Did I get certified? No. Did I read the books cover to cover? No. But I definitely was able to go find a chapter and just deep dive that chapter when we hit a specific problem and I needed to speak a intelligently. I, I, think that, I think now is a good point to talk about what we've done in 2021 on Perfights Press and what is coming on Perfights Press in 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kicked off the year by getting Leandro's book out the door. If you have not purchased it, uh, you want uh, Leandro's Hitchhiker's uh, Guide to uh, Load Testing. Um, we added to that my interview guide uh, by the end of the year, how to interview performance test professionals. Uh, I have a commitment from Scott Moore. So we're breaking news here that he and I are going to be doing a field guide for the new performance tester, for all of those individuals who are thrown into this role. Oh my God, where do I go? What do I do? How do I operate? How do I add value? That is a core tenet of what is coming there. We'll also be taking a look at integrating better with DevOps in the coming year. And Mark, I believe you have committed to a book before the end of 2022 as well. And I'm working on Heinrich right now. Uh, expect to see other authors to come in and out as well. Uh, we've also published a book in the security space. Something that we're doing a little bit differently for a lot of our books is we're not going for the book that can kill a small rodent. Uh, you know, not the 200, 300 page book. Uh, we're going for something that's 100 pages or, or less. It's easy to consume. It's full of content, which is useful and applicable. And it's something that you can toss in your backpack and carry with you, or as an ebook that you can you can carry with you as well. Um, and that's aligned with our mission to make all of you more effective and more valuable in the delivery of performance services. Uh, Heinrich, back to you. Yeah, so yeah, give a sh- uh, big, big, uh, big applause for Perf Price because I think the, the, the Leandro's book is awesome, and the, uh, all the books that will come soon, uh, they are just very useful. So uh, yeah, stay tuned. Uh, you can read, you can watch, you can do a lot of stuff to get trained and to get better in the performance world. And we will try to also produce content for you. So if you're lost in the field if you're completely in the forest stark night freezing yeah check out on youtube check out on perfect press and we probably can help you <laughs> with some content there of course there um i think it's uh it's starts we have we can start to conclude um, to conclude this uh, holiday special Bites, I think, because it's yeah. Uh, one of the things one that we twenty minutes of life. Yeah, one of the things we had done, Henrik, was uh, sort of: Are there any New Year's resolutions around performance that you you will try to stick to in the new year, Henrik? 
I would, uh, from my perspective, me, my, uh, uh, it's not a resolution or a performance, somehow. Uh, it's related to my YouTube channel. Uh, I am, I'm going to work on shorter videos because I, I like when I do something, I, I start to do a, a huge content covering everything and do too much. Uh, and I know that uh, sometimes people want to have, get to, straight to the point. So, uh, yeah, I promise you, uh, I'm going to work on very specific topics, shorter. So then if you're searching for something, it will be easier to, to uh, pick the right video for you. So this is my uh, big resolution for the year 2022. And, and also, a 2022 is the year of the live stream because we're going to do more, uh, I promise, with PerfBytes. I will also do live streams with... Uh, with uh, is it observable? And so, stay tuned. Cool. I'm gonna. Um, I'm not gonna one up you, but I'm going to take the challenge of a New Year's resolution and launch Perf Bits, not Perf Bites. James and I talked about this a long time ago. Is very very short form Perf Bits, just one idea, ten minutes podcast, maybe a video. But mostly, I think, just audio. We'll see. Perf Bits. You saw it here. For I have to come up with a logo. Perf Bits. Maybe it's like a Perf Bite with a... It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's just it's a, a nibble. nibble. It's a nibble? It could be a nibble. A Perf Nibble? <laughs> That's, That's half so, a bite Henrik, for, those, for those of you who are paying attention. Yes. So, Henrik, let's set some uh, objectives for that. And, yeah, ask us anything... We, we had most of our questions were all about performance stuff. And we did see Clara joined us again, uh, which is very, very nice. So shout out to everyone who's actually listened. But yeah, perf bits. I'm, that's what going to be my New Year's resolution right there. Perform, New Year's performance resolution. James, what do, you, what do you get? What do you think for yourself? Anything? Uh, I say at least four books on performance this year through Perf Bites Press. I think we can do better than that. If you are and if if you are in command of a topic related to performance, and when I say in command of a topic, you can speak extemporaneously on that topic for about an hour. Get in touch with me or Heinrich or Mark or Leandro because you've got at least a hundred page book trapped in your head. Let's get it out, let's get it on paper, let's get it published. And let's make it available to the broadest possible audience so that they can take advantage of what you've captured in your career. Uh, you do not have to be a 200-page, 300-page author to get published. We will get it out the door, and we will make it look great. We'll make you look great, and uh, we'll make the industry more effective and more valuable. Leandro? Okay, so the last one. Um, well, first of all, I share it with um, Henrik and Mark. I think I big objective and I better do. I'm going to be creating more content, helping here on Perfites, Perfites Espanol, and more endeavors that I will announce soon, which, uh, yeah, definitely uh, more content around performance testing, helping you to improve uh, your practices and methodologies uh, uh, definitely is 
a must. This 2022 is going to be a very active uh, year. Hopefully more conferences and that uh, we manage to finally get to be in person in any of those. And uh, following on on James' comments, um, the second uh, part or, yeah, uh, the sequel of my book is in progress. I have been already working on it. It's sadly going to break the mold a little bit from what James is mentioning. It's going to be, again, um, not super long, but it's going to be a standard size book talking about how to do Agile, Agile performance testing, testing, some best practices, practices get, yeah, getting yeah, away from, from the, the first part, part that was only around waterfall low testing. testing. Now it's going to be all around Agile, how to uh, eat this thing and attack it um, uh, as an elephant a little bit at a time, but work in progress. And um, let's see what else comes from this 2022 and what are the things improve uh, as well. I would say I want to start to make uh, Hendrik, you are already uh, doing some awesome things video wise, audio wise, make it more entertaining, more creative or even sillier and <laughs> let's see. But um, yeah. And uh, as well, I also want to thank uh, Clara, Raul and uh, Praveen, for, and everyone else that is listening for your questions, for be paying attention and for whoever is looking this in the future. Thank you very much for watching this or yeah. hearing. So, listening. Leandro, are you going to get, what's going to happen? Is it going to be a hitchhiking, hitchhikers theme? Like, well, maybe like backpacking for performance, um, agile uh, performance? The, the, red, the, uh, the restaurant at the end of the agile universe. That, well, I, I was I was thinking, and it's more or less work in progress. Is thank you for the agile fish, but uh, let's see. That could be, or you could write the entire book in the form of Volgon poetry. Oh, <laughs> oh, uh, that's yeah, no, maybe, maybe not, yeah. not, not the best move. But, but speaking of poetry. Uh, uh, we already did, and I don't know for the and for the people listening in uh, Spanish, uh, Spanish speakers here. Perfect Español had this um, year, 2021, a holiday special, end of the year, where I did a small story <clears throat> of the Perf Grinch, how yeah. this Perf Grinch wanted to waterfallize everything in his performance process, slowing down the Agile team. Um, and getting a frozen environment and all of those things, poem, uh, kind of rhymes, hopefully not uh, that well. But uh, if you want to go and take a look, um, I think it went okay. And um, hope you enjoy that uh, little poem story, story or the, the, the perfect Grinch. Hablo español. ¿Cómo se dice Grinch? Is there a Grinch? Is it just Grinch in, in Spanish? Ah, yeah. Ah, yeah. It's El Grinch. But here El is Grinch. El Perfugrinch. <laughs> awesome. The Perf Grinch. You need to create a Twitter just for the Perf Grinch. Oh. Oh. Challenge accepted. Let's Challenge see. accepted. Perf Grinch. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. All right, Henrik. Are we wrapping right. up? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's closing the year 2021. Uh, thanks for all the one that has been watching. 
Uh, and uh, as you see, now it's the area we are now Perfbyte live on YouTube and on many, many systems. So it's just amazing. So I'm so happy about it. I hope you enjoyed and uh, stay tuned. We will organize other live events. So if you have any questions, anything, drop us and we would love to answer all of this. All right. Thank, thank you, everybody. So Take, care. Take care. Happy thank 2022. You. And of course, thank you to our sponsors as always. Right? So. Between Tricentis, Neotis, now Tricentis, Flood, now Tricentis, Tricentis basically <laughs> all day long. Thank you very much. We appreciate this. Um, so shout out to them if you are looking for stuff. Uh, Dynatrace, we'd normally be going to Dynatrace Perform, but we'll find out from Henrik whether that can even happen or not. So we might be doing something fun just that week anyway, uh, covering what's being announced. Um, obviously, a, a shout out to Catchpoint, APM, and Ryan Folk Consulting, uh, who have been sponsors of the News of the Damned. Uh, but thank you very much for their support. We appreciate that. And um, we'll see We'll see what happens in the new year. So, yeah. And thank, thank you, you to everyone who is watching and making more or less this possible. Perfites, love you all. <laughs> all right. It's time to close. Have a great end of the year and see you soon for another Adios. live stream. See you. Feliz Navidad. Bye. Happy New Year. Ciao.